Welcome, everybody, to the Buck Sexton Show. Great to have you here with me. I'm, I got so much to get into today. It's one of these days where I feel like I actually wish I had an even longer podcast. Hope you're enjoying the new show as well, the uh, Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show. We have a podcast of that, and uh, we obviously, or I am going to keep doing this show. So spread the word, pass the buck, and... Also, make sure that your online security is something that you take seriously. You like that? You like that transition? Cool, like the other side of the pillow. That's how this guy Sexton gets it done. You've got to get the most secure email and messaging system out there, and that's secure because true online privacy is in the past. Your online data always seems to be under the magnifying glass by big tech. There's the anxiety of not having control of your data while it's being manipulated and sold to advertisers. But you see, now there's a way with the ultimate privacy and cybersecurity communications tool in your hands to fight back against this. Secure, S-E-K-U-R, an instant messaging and email platform hosted in Switzerland because the Swiss take their chocolate, their clocks, and their internet security super seriously. I'm being real with you, actually. Switzerland has the most, the most strict data privacy laws in the whole world. S-E-K-U-R, that's how you spell secure. It uses proprietary encryption technologies, an independent platform, and those Swiss privacy laws to ensure complete privacy and security of your data. This is secure and private instant messaging and email. It assures your conversations, messages, and data are kept completely safe and private. Secure does not mine your data and is not subjected to the Cloud Act. Take back your freedom, privacy, and online security with secure, S-E-K-U-R dot com. Just go to secure.com, use the coupon code BUCK for one week free and 25% off. Again, secure.com, S-E-K-U-R, 25% off and one week free when you use the coupon code BUCK. Regain your online security and privacy with Secure. Well, at least the Republicans held the line here on the Democrats' so-called For the People Act. And now the media gets to go into overdrive about how this is the death of our democracy. How will we ever survive? Yeah. The the For the People Act, H.R. 1, didn't get through in the Senate. And now you're going to have weeks and weeks of journos pressuring Joe Manchin, pressuring Christian Cinema. although M- Manchin, as you know, is a weak link in all this. Uh, pressuring them to cave, right? Manchin actually allowed this to uh, to go forward. Manchin and Schumer struck a bill, uh, struck a, uh, a deal rather ahead of the bill vote. But he, here's the bottom line, folks. Democrats are going for fundamental transformation of our system. Republicans sit around and go, I have an idea. Let's lower the tax rate. Democrats say, let's make sure that Republicans can never win another election. What can we do with the power we have now so that we're in charge and they won't be in charge? What can we do going forward to make it absolutely clear that the left isn't just ascendant, but is dominant in America? Uh, and there's no real Republican opposition to speak of. Well, one good way to do it, and there are a few, there's amnesty, there's statehood for D.C. and Puerto Rico. These are all things Democrats openly say they want. I'm not coming up with some crazy theoretical here. They're saying we want these things. They just have not been able to get them yet. 
And this is why they want to eliminate the filibuster, because with a simple 51 majority or 50 plus one as the vice president, Kamala Harris, would be the tiebreaker, they can get whatever they want. They can pass whatever legislation. And remember this, very important. Democrats are happy to pass legislation like this H.R. 1 that would be unconstitutional, knowing that it is unconstitutional, but also knowing that there will be a delay before the high court actually even takes up the issue. And therefore, they will get their way. So it's it's absolutely essential to understand that not only will they wield power, Democrats will actively abuse power and then clean up whatever they have to later or allow others to clean it up. In this case, the Supreme Court. They simply do not care. And then they talk about respect for our institutions. Then they talk about our sacred democracy and all this other stuff. And, and fundamentally, you can see what this really is. It's gaslighting. They're the side. They're the team that believes in undermining our very system. They're the ones that are, are looking to transform while they pretend that their primary goal, their only real goal is to preserve. It's just not true. They, they say fundamental transformation is the goal, but then at every step of their incrementalism, at every step of their progressive march, it's just this little thing, just this little bit. You've noticed that's the logic that they use to extend the lockdowns, right? Just two weeks, just a mask, just a while the schools will be closed, just one vaccine, just two masks, just booster shots. Just until we reach herd immunity, just until we reach total eradication of the virus, just until we defeat death itself, because the state can do that. You see, if you believe the state is God, which they do. That's where this all comes from. The Democrats have an issue they're going to make a lot of noise about going forward. They're going to do everything in their power to pretend that this this rebuke uh, is essentially the death of democracy as we know it. And that's crazy exaggeration, but they don't care because it plays well with their base and it creates an atmosphere of Republicans on defense. Somebody can make an outlandish accusation, but if they go and they swear a deposition, let's say, or, or they go into a police station, they say so-and-so you know, stole from me, they cause problems even if everyone knows that it's unlikely to be true and that it seems to just be fishy from the get-go, but they can still cause problems. And here, the constant repetition of their undermining, they're undermining our democracy, creates this perception among many people who aren't paying very close attention to politics. Well, I mean, the Republicans must be doing something bad. I mean, the, the the level of stupidity that is out there right now, the level of stupidity in the Democrat media commentary chorus is absolutely it's it's mind blowing. It's mind blowing. But I mean, here, here's an example. Barack Obama slammed Republicans for not passing this voting rights bill. You might wonder on what grounds. 
Oh, because it was January 6th, you see. That's the big issue. Play 16. In the aftermath of an insurrection with our democracy on the line, and many of these same Republican senators going along with the notion that somehow there were irregularities and problems with legitimacy in our most recent election, they're suddenly afraid to even talk about these issues and figure out solutions on the floor of the Senate. Gotta invoke January 6th. Anytime Democrats don't get what they want, they will invoke the insurrection. And that way you're defending the insurrectionists. How dare you defend the insurrection? I mean, these people are hysterical, but there's also now, and I, I just want, I want to point, point this out for all of you who, who are so kind on Team Buck, who listen to me. Um, there's also now a, a clarity, I think, among anybody who is paying attention that the Democrats have been suffering from a mass hysteria or mass anxiety disorder during COVID. In fact, there are some recent uh, survey uh, survey data or, or polling data that says that about 40 percent of people they asked uh, felt like they had had the worst mental health period of their lives during the pandemic. Well, when people are deeply anxious and perhaps even a bit unhinged, they're much more easy to manipulate if you promise them safety and control. And so Democrats have seen this now and want to continue on. They view this as a winning formula. Keep you terrified. Not you. You listen to this show, so you're not some giant wimp who can't think for himself or herself. But keep the American populace, enough of them, frightened and and create boogeymen. I mean, that's January 6th has turned into a a excuse for the oppression of Republican thought, ideology, uh, locking people up in solitary confinement for no violent, serious crime, acting like they were people who were guilty of trespass are guilty of treason. Those are crimes that there's quite a bit of daylight between. I think we can all see that. But it's all about narrative. <clears throat> It's all about what they can convince their own side. And that's what they're that's what they're doing here. You know, a federal judge is a, is uh, scheduled to hand down today uh, or no, I did hand down. Sorry, earlier this week, the first sentence to one of the more than 400 people who were charged in the January 6th Capitol Hill riot. Anna Morgan Lloyd, 49 of Bloomfield, Indiana, pled guilty, pleaded guilty to a single charge of parading, demonstrating, or picketing in a Capitol building. Justice Department recommended three years of probation, 40 hours community service, and a $500 fine. Now, look, this is the first insurrection in history that included harmless grandmothers, that's right, this woman's a grandmother of five, among the shock troops of the coup attempt. And yet you have morons all across the media who say, it was as bad as Pearl Harbor. It was like another 9-11. Outrageously stupid, reckless stuff, but they say it because they're playing on the emotions of the easily manipulated. And unfortunately, there are lots of people in the Democrat Party for whom that is the case. All right. I think it's really the Democrat base runs on emotion instead of reason. That should be their slogan. We run on emotion, not reason. 
but the blocking of this federalization. I mean, I don't even think it would survive constitutional scrutiny, but like I said, they'd get their way for a while. This blocking of H.R. 1 is all being tied into the insurrection, which is being tied into the white nationalist surge of hate in America, which is tied into all these things. You know, Trump and Charlottesville and Russia collusion. And you start to say, what is actually real when these media propaganda organs are are at work? What's really true? It's dizzying, isn't it? I mean, you get to a point where they'll just say anything. It doesn't matter how stupid or how dishonest it is. Here's a perfect example. Chris Hayes on MSNBC. I mean, this guy, he sold his whole uh, sold his soul to the left a long time ago. I mean, I'm sure he's a true believer at some level. And but here he is saying something that he's not so stupid that he thinks this is true, but he does think his audience is so stupid that they will believe it. Play five. Donald Trump got hundreds of thousands of Americans killed who did not need to die. And I will be damned if that is going to go down the memory hole. If all goes right in the world, the first paragraph in this chapter of the history books will be about president who knowingly oversaw the catastrophic response to a plague that killed over 600,000 people. That is the true legacy of Donald Trump. That legacy lives on now in many states, particularly conservative states, states that voted for Donald Trump, where people have died at the highest rates and where people are not getting vaccinated at even close to the rates in blue states. We're starting to see case numbers tick up in exactly the places you would expect from looking at those vaccination rates. We are seeing the effects of the toxic, devastating legacy of Donald Trump right now in the places that support him the most. All lies. I mean, this guy is just making crap up. The worst, the worst COVID results were in what states there, little Mr. Hayes? Oh, Donald Trump is really responsible for hundreds of thousands of people. Is Donald Trump responsible for the... Hundreds of thousands who died of COVID in Brazil? Is Donald Trump responsible for the hundreds of thousands who died all across Western Europe at higher rates per capita in countries like the UK and Belgium and Italy and Spain than in the US? Is Donald Trump responsible for the likely millions? They don't know the full the full extent of the damage, the full number who died from COVID and are still dying from COVID in India? Or was this just a virus that was very lethal to the elderly and highly transmissible among the entire population? And all the stuff that the beta males at MSNBC who were running around Park Slope with their three masks on and don't touch me and I'm Lysoling my groceries and I take the science seriously and I stand in the little foot places where they say social distance did nothing. It did nothing. And there are a bunch of idiots for believing it was going to do anything. Which of these things is more probable, folks? You know the answer. But he can go on TV. He won't get censored on social media for this. He won't certainly get repudiated by his own network and say Donald Trump is responsible for hundreds of thousands of deaths. Reckless lies. But powerful ones. Useful ones. Something you have to... Remember, as we go through this, you listen to this and I I can feel team buck. I can feel the heads shaking side to side all across America. Oh, my gosh, this guy. You know, and and yes, it it is true that 
You also, if you watch any, any of the male hosts at MSNBC for the guys out there, you probably feel a, a precipitous drop in testosterone happen. It's, a, it's like a scientific miracle. But while you see it as such, there are so many across the country, unfortunately, who believe this propaganda, who listen to this nonsense. They don't hear somebody say that Trump is responsible for hundreds of thousands of deaths. What does that even mean? How could he be responsible for hundreds of thousands of deaths? The states had the primary response and 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 most of the, the burden of dealing with COVID because of the way quarantine powers work at the state level. It wasn't really the federal government. In fact, what did Donald Trump really take the reins of right away? Operation Warp Speed. Trump had people working on and working with the pharmacy uh, pharmaceutical companies uh, working on the vaccine before we had had our first death from COVID in the U.S. But they act like he didn't take it seriously. It was all a big joke to him and the whole thing. <clears throat> madness. Utter madness. But then again, so is the the Democrat obsession with acting like until we have a full accounting of January 6th, until we have a full accounting of the nightmare of that day, we are not facing up to what really happened in this country. Here, here's Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi. Yeah, I just, I have come down from my mansion. And I, 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 you know, she's like 80 years old, basically. This woman has been in politics for decades and decades. She's clearly, she's obsessed with power. And she's not very bright. And she's deeply unethical. But she's ruthless, and ruthless is enough. Ruthless will get you far. You know? Stalin was no genius, I can tell you, but ruthless? Oh, yeah. Now, I know Nancy Pelosi's not Stalin, but she's also not as smart as he was, so there's that. Play three. I still hope for a bipartisan, nonpartisan commission, but if the Republicans won't go for that, then we'll go uh, for a select committee uh, to determine the truth of what happened that day. And the truth means how what, how was it, how did it start? What are the causes of it in terms of the attitude of the American people? But then more particularly, how was it financed? Who started all of this? The public has a right to know. Ah, uh, the public has a right to know. Yeah, sure. Didn't we already do this with their rushed impeachment, which was meant to not only defame all Trump supporters, but also to prevent Trump from running for a second time. Didn't we already go through this? But we have to do it again. And they want to do it again and again. Because, as I've said all along, it doesn't matter if it's true. It creates an emotion. And it 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 brings the national conversation to a place of Democrats on offense. And they're the ones who are defending our democracy which is just not true it's just not the way it is but they don't they don't really care they don't really care do they so there is good news too folks there is good news i i saw from my friend ryan gurdusky a tweet he said that and, and i thought this was brilliant that's why ryan by the way we'll have guests back on the buck sexton uh, show podcast starting in well two weeks uh, for right now while i'm 
Nashville-based, if you're wondering where I am, I'm doing this show right now from Nashville. For two weeks for launch, I'm in I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, and then I'll be back in New York City, and that's where I will be doing uh, both shows. And there we have the capability to have have guests in real time, but for right now, we, we can't do guests. Because I'd love to have Ryan on to talk about this. That's why I'm thinking about it. I want to have Ryan on, and, and, and Cardillo, and Harsanyi, and... and you know, all the rest of them. And, and producer Mark, can everyone, he, can you talk to everybody? They miss you. Yes, I can. Hello, everyone. There we go. There he is. How you been, buddy? I'm good. Since uh, we last spoke, I moved. Finally. So, so now producer Mark is both podcast producer Mark for the Buck Sexton Show and also producer Mark is helping out with the, the new Jesse Kelly show. So he's a busy man. So we appreciate that you've you've had some long days. How we've been talking about the move on the show for weeks. How did it go? Uh, it went. Uh, nothing ever happens easily uh, in my life. It seems so. The moving truck broke down on the way here, but uh, we got everything in, and that's what's important. There we go. When the moving truck broke down, yeah. other than the. By the way, if you didn't start shouting expletives, uh, even I, I would have been apoplectic. Like I would have been freaking out when the moving truck breaks down, though. Like, what's your first thought about how does this go? Like, do they have to bring another moving truck? Do they have to wait for, like, AAA? What happens? I was in a lawyer's office. I was at the closing, so I couldn't really freak out like I wanted to. Um, But I was like, what do you guys do here? And they had to send another truck from New Jersey in rush hour traffic through the Cross Bronx. Anyone who's familiar with the New York area knows that is the worst road in America. Uh, And eventually, I think we finished moving in around 9 o'clock that night. It was it was bad, but you know we we did what we had to do. I mean, uh, you know, man, that's see, but this is you had the that's the quintessential moving experience as somebody who's moved over a dozen times in his life and usually by himself and with no help. Uh, the the moving experience is you no matter how much you plan, something happens where you feel like what's even the point? This is a cluster. Yeah, <laughs> that's what ends up happening every time. I'll never forget, I was moving in D.C. from one tiny studio apartment in Washington, D.C. to another tiny studio apartment in Washington, D.C. because they raised the rent in one and I, I didn't want to pay their, the raise, so I had to go to the other one where they'd give me the new renter deal. This is what I've had to do, move place to place. And and I'll never forget, I had this, I had these guys, and they did come, they were supposed to bring, it was, you know, like mini movers or something. They were supposed to bring just a little van. And and there was one guy who was going to help me get some of the stuff. It was basically man with a van, but it wasn't called that. But they didn't have a van that day. All they had was a truck, like a big truck. So they come in to the, with this big truck. I had, you know, enough stuff that you could probably have fit it all in my wood paneled Roadmaster station wagon from college known as the Shaggin' Wagon. And, we, you know, we, we filled it. We filled it with all the stuff. But I'll never forget, Mark. They start pulling, you know, beep, beep. They start pulling out of the loading bay for this apartment building. And they just take a big chunk out of the ceiling with the top of this, Ugh. just like like plaster coming down. And I look at the guy, and I'm like, oh, and he's like, don't worry about it. We got insurance. <laughs> I was like, I was like, okay, I guess. Does the building worry about it? Or, you know, anyway, I don't even know what happened. I don't know if the building ever even figured it out, but there's a gaping hole in the ceiling. So, yeah, good times. But you can admit, that's the stuff that happens. You're like, it's going to be a long day. It's going to be a long day. You uh, it, know? It's been a long month, Buck, but uh, we're here now, and that's that's what matters. That's what matters. That's what matters. But, but I wanted you all. Producer Mark has not been, you know, kidnapped by the cartels. He hasn't he hasn't fled for the Bahamas because he's just going to be uh, drinking margaritas and podcasting from the beach by himself or anything else. 
He is still very much with us here, and I wanted you all to hear from him. And producer Mark, we're, our plan now with our new rhythm, right, is we're going to do a roll call, roll call Friday. We'll do a nice, nice, good roll call chunk every Friday. Yeah, we don't have quite as much time to work with anymore, so I think uh, Fridays is a good idea. Fun for the weekend. And with that in mind, my friends, let's dive back into what I was saying about my buddy Ryan Gerdusky. Uh, he had this tweet that Ron DeSantis makes you wonder. What has the Republican Party been doing this whole time? Because DeSantis keeps finding ways as a governor to get stuff done. And I and, and I you I don't even feel comfortable. I don't like clapping so much for a politician. You know, I don't like saying, great, great. This is awesome. Um, I, I feel like. You know, this is a, a moment in time where I, I keep waiting for DeSantis to disappoint me, and yet he just keeps coming through. He keeps coming through. You know, let's. I just want to take a, a quick breather for a second, and when we come back in a second, Governor Ron DeSantis on a bill requiring students to learn about the evils of communism and totalitarian ideologies in, in just a minute. Curriculum can really provide a guide to how that should be done. Uh, the bill also expands our previous efforts in civics to add a requirement for the high school government class that um, students receive instruction on the evils of communism and totalitarian ideologies. Uh, we have uh, a number of people in, in Florida, particularly southern Florida, who've escaped uh, totalitarian regimes who've escaped communist dictatorships um, to be able to come to America. Uh, we want all students to understand the difference. Why would somebody flee uh, across shark-infested waters, say, leaving from Cuba to come to southern Florida? Uh, why would somebody leave a place like Vietnam? Why would people leave these countries uh, and risk their life to be able to come here? It's important that students understand that. Here we have... Ron DeSantis taking an action that is a perfect riposte, a, a counterstrike, if you will, against one of the primary arguments that Democrats constantly deploy in defense of CRT. They just say, oh, we're just teaching about the evils of slavery. And to be clear... Slavery is a deeply evil practice, was in this country. It has been for all of human history. And we should and do learn about it in school. And we should learn actually even more about the full history of slavery, including the not just the transatlantic slave trade, but the trans-Mediterranean slave trade, where Muslims were enslaving Christians all over Europe and bringing them in. And people say, oh, Buck, how big? Well, it was only you're right. It was only a few million people who were either murdered in the the mines of Algiers or women who were who were used in the harems. And we won't get into the details, but you can figure that one out. For a couple of hundred years, kids don't even know about I, I bring this up. I bring up this the Muslim slave trade of of European Christians and Jews. And people look at me like I'm crazy. They say, what are you talking about? And they're they're folks who believe they know history. Never mind, I bring up the Aztec Empire built on slavery. And we go back in history, uh, all the way, you know, biblical times. Why were the Israelites in Egypt? What, what was the problem with the Pharaoh? What, right? There was, why were the Jews? Well, we know. Why were the Jews enslaved? Because slavery has existed for as long as human beings have been exploiting each other, which is unfortunately all of human history. 
But yes, we should learn about the uh, practice of slavery in America. And, and certainly we should learn more, I believe, about European colonial practices in places like Africa. I mean, if you if you want to read about true sadism and and viciousness that was that, uh, of the of the colonial European kind, learn about what happened in the Belgian Congo under King Leopold. Again, people who think they know so much of world history will say, what are you, what are you talking about? And, well, it's deeply evil and vicious. But anyway, I know that now, now I want to do a history podcast and I owe you guys, all of you listening to this Siege of Malta Part 2 and producer Mark is still poking me and reminding me about it. So it's going to happen. And also now that this format is particularly the, 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 the Buck Sexton show is entirely a show that is now podcasted because I have a three hour radio show I do with, with Clay now every day. Um, I can do whatever I want on this show, right? I mean, this is because th- it doesn't have to be on broadcast radio anywhere, which actually frees me up to do exactly what I want, which is kind of exciting and fun. So, you know, there's going to be more history stuff. There's going to be me going as long as I want on any subject I want, which I'm excited about. So this is actually adding to the creativity that we can imbue this podcast with a greater freedom. But anyway, DeSantis Let's get back into why this matters. They keep saying the critical race theorists, the left, keep telling everybody, oh, it's just about learning the history of slavery and learning about Jim Crow and things. And that's not what critical race theory is. That's a lie. But what's fascinating is that they act like it's just a curriculum decision, man. It's not a big deal. Let me turn around and say, well, okay, well, this will be a curriculum decision. We're going to learn about socialism and communism and Marxism. We're going to learn about the horrors of totalitarians like Stalin and Mao and Che Guevara and Castro and Pol Pot. We're going to teach. And what do all of those vicious uh, and very unwoke, by the way, you can find out about the treatment of of artists and and gays and political dissidents in Cuba, a a place the left loves. You find out how they fared under the Castro regime and and with Che Guevara uh, specifically. Oh, yes, people don't know this history, do they? All right, so we're going to actually start to teach real history about these things, too. And you notice the left goes, no! Because if people knew that the, the one thread that runs through the worst, most vicious regimes all over the world, including National Socialism, also known as Nazism, that the one the one thread of belief that runs through all of it, or there actually you could say there are a few different things, but the thread is collectivism and atheism and authoritarianism, meaning the state in full control. The state tells you and you obey. And that is really the full that that is the the full extent of the relationship between those in charge and those they rule. We say you do. Who sounds like they like that in public policy in America today? And which is the side of the political aisle that says no? I'd rather I'd rather we keep some ability to think for ourselves and do for ourselves. And I think that that's essential. For all of us. But how can they object to the teaching of of the evils of Marxism and totalitarian ideologies in schools? 
because the, the left, you see, it, there, there's a reason why I can sit here and say, and, and, and I, would, I would like to run this experiment sometime maybe, and I'll sit down with a bunch of uh, college kids, college kids, even history majors, and I'll say, tell me, tell me how, many, um, how many people were killed in the Holocaust. They'll say six million Jews, which is correct, of course. They might know that the full number of all those killed in the Holocaust, which is prominently displayed when you go to visit the Holocaust Museum in D.C., is 11 million. It's 11 million people, a little over 11 million. Six million of the 11 million were, were Jews. Um, but if I ask them how many people died in, uh, in Stalin's purges, it's overwhelmingly likely that they will have no, no sense of the number. And it's overwhelmingly likely as well that if I said, well, what can you tell me about Stalin's purges? They would just, uh, 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 yeah, no idea, no idea what, what to say. How is that possible? Well, it's because in this country, if you look at the 20th century and Hollywood and academia, they've always had a fondness for communists. And this goes, this goes all the way back to the, the pre-World War II era and then the, in the post-World War II era. Pre-World War II, there was a widespread belief among the American intelligentsia that capitalism had failed because of the Great Depression and that communism was working so well and if you were an elite academic, there was a, a very now it wasn't quite as widespread as it is now leftism among academics, but it was still prominent. Uh, there was a very high likelihood that you thought that Stalin was actually really onto something. And these communal farms and these councils, that's what a Soviet is. It's a council. It's a collective. Yeah, that, though, that they had figured out a way to make a perfect society through them with all the little commissars in charge telling you what to do, you know? Now, you think about the commissars of our own, of our own era. Pete Buttigieg, he's a little commissar. He tells you you have to wear a mask when you're on an airplane because he says so. He's the transportation secretary. Why is he the transportation secretary? Shut up, he's in charge. That's, that's the full extent of it. You can see the threads of collectivism and authoritarianism in the Democratic Party so clearly if you just step back and think for a moment about it. And that's why they don't want this stuff taught in school. They don't want people to be able to see. And they certainly don't want folks to know how quickly a collectivist authoritarian uh, minority within a country can upend the whole thing and destroy it because that's what happened in China and that's what happened in Russia and that's what's happened in name a country with a Marxist revolution. And name a country with a Marxist revolution that ended well. Yeah, you could say China's wealthy today. Well, it only cost about 20 million people their lives during the Great Leap Forward and the famine and millions of uh, their lives and livelihoods during the Cultural Revolution and, and the one-child policy and the continuation of concentration camps for Uyghurs to this day. I mean, they've, they've paid quite a price for their collectivist authoritarianism in China, haven't they? Sure, they've got tall, gleaming buildings now and lots of advanced technology, and there are even some billionaires running around in Shanghai and Beijing. But think about the price in blood to get to that point. Maybe our kids should know about this. Maybe the American people should have a much broader understanding. Do you think the Democrats want that? No. But so they oppose Ron DeSantis on this point, which shows that it's not about being able to make curriculum decisions that, that teach people more history 
They want control of the narrative in schools. They don't want people to know things that don't help their politics, the left's politics, long term. And now this brings me to the Loudoun County School Board, where you know Loudoun County, Virginia, has been the site of a lot of back and forth over critical race theory recently. Well, there were some parents who actually got arrested there and things got a little out of hand. And you got to hear, though, this is one parent uh, talking about or this is one parent situation where they decided that they just had enough. Play clip one. This board has a dark history of suppressing free speech. They caught you red handed with an enemies list to punish opponents of critical race theory. You're teaching children to hate others because of their skin color. And you're forcing them to lie about other kids' gender. I am disgusted by your bigotry. Joe Mobley to be followed by Donna Russell. Madam Chair, I move to end public comment. Second. There's been a motion to end public comment. Is there a second? I second. Motion made by Ms. Reeser and seconded by Ms. King. Is there any discussion? All in favor, please raise your hand and say aye. Aye. Thank you. The motion carries 9-0. Public comment is now ended. We will move to our next agenda item. I love it. Parents fired up, taking it to the education bureaucrat. We're going to have a motion to move on. You're not allowed to have opinions. Shut up, parents. What you teach, what your kids get taught is not not your concern. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think we're going to allow this, my friends. The counter revolution against CRT is underway. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? You know, Wall Street has been. Lying to you for years. They've been telling you that 7% is a good return on stocks. And that's just not. I mean, you could do much better. And that trading and investing is so complicated, you got to have a financial advisor who's taking a big cut. You don't. There are real people. There are carnivores out there making 30%, 50%, even 100% a year on their money trading stocks. And even when the market's choppy with carnivore trading. I use carnivore trading. They send me updates in real time every day. And I'm making moves based upon what they're telling me. Carnivore Trading is an anonymous team of elite Wall Street strategists. They're legends among Wall Street heavy hitters. And now they've gone a little bit rogue. They're allowing everyday folks like you and me to see and mirror their explosive trades. I I know this sounds like how could this even be true? Well, look, try it. Carnivore will let you see the trades they're making right now for free. Go to GetOurTrades.com. And use promo code BUCK to get two weeks free. And if you join, Carnivore guarantees you'll get five times your subscription fee or double your money back. Go to GetOurTrades.com. Use that promo code BUCK. That's GetOurTrades.com. Promo code BUCK. See website for guarantee terms and conditions. Past performance, not a guarantee of future earnings. The revolt against CRT is one of the most encouraging things I've seen in recent American public life. And you can tell that the left feels 
like they're on defense right now, which is a wonderful thing. It's great to see. It's really encouraging that the left is so upset about this, which is why they keep lying. They keep failing. They keep doing so much here um, that is obvious in its intention, which is just to make sure that people don't really catch on, don't really understand the full scope of what's happening. But Loudoun County is becoming almost a rallying cry unto itself. People saying enough. You're not able to just brainwash our kids without us saying a word about it. You're not able to just do whatever you want to do. And we'll sit here quietly while you convince them that racial Marxism is good for this country. Really? Where has Marxism of any kind, economic, racial, gender Marxism, you name it. Where has that ever worked out well? It's a fair question to ask. It's an important question to ask. One more thing here. Dr. Fauci. We haven't had Dr. Fauci on the show in a little while. Buck, I hear you say mean things about me. I hear you say that I am not science and I'm here to inform you that you are, in fact, wrong. I am science and science is me. I am science. Science is me. Science is a happy family. That's where we are now, right? Fauci has just gone all in on this stuff. And I got to tell you, He's missing all the all the attention. You know, we kind of we're like, all right, we're past this. He's like, you know, I, I'm excuse me, excuse me. The the little totalitarian Smurf is is waving his lab coat around. Hello, oh, uh, there could be more uh, problems going forward here. Here he is, play seven. There's a persistence of a recalcitrant group that doesn't get vaccinated. There will be local type of regional uh, spikes and outbreaks. I don't foresee what we refer to as a surge as we have known it, namely the three major surges that we've experienced over the past year and a half. Uh, I don't think even under those circumstances that you're going to see things like a thousand deaths uh, a day. I think that is a bit much. But there is a danger, a real danger that if there is a persistence of a recalcitrance to getting vaccinated, that you could see localized surges, which is the reason why I want to emphasize what all four of us have said. All of that is totally and completely avoidable by getting vaccinated. I'm here to remind you with trepidation of the constipulations of my precadicalations of the surge possibilities. Yes, I made up some words, but it doesn't matter because I am Dr. Fauci and I am essentially, I am not the God, but I am a God. You know, when someone asks if you're a God, you say yes. And I am Fauci. So I say yes. Um, but yeah, he's, he's coming back folks. You better get a hundred percent vaccination uh, in this country or else you're, you're still going to have Fauci running around. And and we are not yet at that 100 percent goal. We're not even at the 70 percent that Biden set for January I mean, for uh, July 4th weekend, Independence Day weekend. I know I always have to say it or else I get yelled at by my beloved team, Buck. But here he is on this, the missing of the vaccination goal, the Fauci six. 
You know, not necessarily, Jake. You, you set a goal. If you reach it, great. If you don't, you keep going to try and reach it and go beyond it. So I don't really see any, uh, to be honest with you, big deal here. We were trying for 70% of adults by July 4th. If you get to 67 or 68, you know, there's not that much statistical difference between the two, but you want to go beyond it. And that's what I said at the press conference today. Yeah, it was a goal, and we want to go beyond the goal. If you don't exactly meet it on July 4th, you don't stop. You just keep going, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to try and get as many more than 70% as we possibly can. As many more as we can. He's not going away. We're going to have to tell him to go away. It's going to have to be an active process of, come here, little Fouch. Come here, give him a little pat on the head, you know, maybe sit him on a tiny stool. You know, I I just, I, I want to keep throwing the pitch out at the baseball game. I want to be on MSNBC every five minutes. You know, I, I really like that, that, uh, that Chris Hayes. Oh, man, he really, he really nails it every time. Yep. That's what we're going to be dealing with for at least the rest of this year, probably in the next year, unless we finally say enough is enough. That's going to be the Buck Sexton show for today, folks. Please do pass the buck, and uh, let's keep this show growing, even alongside the other, which is the largest radio show in America now, according to Nielsen, which is pretty cool. And team, I'm, I'm so thankful. All of you are what keeps me going every day here to have incredibly long days and just do a ton of content all the time. I am only here. The people who listen to this show are the reason I have a career. And don't think that that is forgotten for one day for one moment. All of you, you, you are my phalanx. You are the people that have been with me in this battle. And I stand among you in the front lines of the battle. As you know, honored and proud to be there. Shields high.